You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 and 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, lead pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called Plugged In. God has a desire for all of us to be plugged into Him as the source, the lifeline of our lives. Our goal as we join together, plugged into God, is that we would ultimately make Him famous. Our scripture text comes from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled, Plugged In. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Got an email from someone this week. It's kind of cute. Thought I'd, thought I'd read it to you. The title of my message this morning is, Plugged In. Everyone say, Plugged In. Plugged In. Plugged in. And we're going to talk about being plugged into God and plugged in to one another. Main thought, main idea, plugged into God plugged into one another today. So I thought about this. I came across this this week, and it really kind of goes with this whole plugged in. But you never read those things like, how many people does it take to do, you know? Well, this one is, how many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? All right, so I'll set the background there for you. How many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, if you're charismatic this morning, it only takes one, because your hands are already in the air. If you're a Pentecostal this morning, it takes ten. One to change the light bulb, and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. If you're a Presbyterian, none. Lights will go on and off at predestined times. If you're a Roman Catholic today, none. Candles only. If you're a Baptist, at least 15. One to change the light bulb, three committees to approve the change and decide who brings a potato salad and fried chicken. If you're an Episcopalian this morning, three. One to call the electrician, one to mix the drinks, and one to talk about how much better it was in the good old days. The Methodist undetermined. Whether your light is bright, dull, or completely out, you are loved. You can be a light bulb, a turnip bulb, or a tulip bulb. Church-wide lighting service is planned for Sunday. Bring your bulb of choice and a covered dish. Nazarenes, six. One woman to replace the bulb while five men review the church lighting policy. And last one, Amish. Amish, what's a light bulb? (laughs) That's bad. All right, get your Bibles out. Acts chapter 2. Can we do something? Can we just stand up in honor of the Word of God? You know, there's actually a place in the Bible. It's in the book of Ezra. The Bible says that they built a platform from Ezra, and then he stood and he read the whole law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He read all, he made the people stand up. And he read all five, no, that's a true story. He read the whole thing, and they all had to stand up. So we're, I want to be kind, I'm only going to read about nine verses. I'm a nice pastor. Everybody say, Pastor Eugene's a nice pastor. He's a nice pastor. Only nine verses. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse number 30. And the Bible says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And many with, with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Lord, thank you for your great grace today. Thank you for your amazing kindness. I love you. The people this morning have already demonstrated their love by worshiping you with all their heart. Now, God, bless them. May you bless the reading of the word and at the declaration of the word, I pray today that truth, the truth of who you are, that we can be plugged in, connected to you and one another will become real in this church in a new and dynamic way. I ask this now, Jesus, in your name. Amen. But this morning I want to talk to you about being plugged in. Everyone say plugged in. It's a big deal to God, being plugged in. Being plugged in is a real, everyone say big deal. Not meal deal, big deal. Now, I got a lamp here, a nice lamp, and it's actually this lamp and this table are in my wife's, when you walk into my wife's office, she's got this right there by the front door and of her office over here, and I and, uh, hope my prop is set up here, but uh, we use this lamp for what? For what? Light. We use this lamp for light when we want to do what? See, oh yeah, see, just to help turn on the light. We just turn off all the lights. Turn off all the lights and we'll see how dark it is. It can get dark in here because we have all the windows blacked out. So it can get pretty dark. So we use light to be able to see. But in order to see, this lamp has to have what? Has to have power. Has to have, what do we call it? Electricity. Okay. So I'm going to come over here and I'm going to turn this on because I want to be able to see better. There's not enough light up here on this platform, so I'm going to turn this on. Uh Uh-oh. What happened? I got no what? I got, well, I don't know what I don't have because I don't even know if there's a light bulb in here. If it was at my house, the first thing I'd do is just check to make sure there's a light bulb because it, it could be in my son's room, you know what I mean? But so there is a light bulb in here. Now, the light could be what? It could be what? It could be burnt out. This light bulb could be burnt out. I happen to know by faith, and I'm trusting by faith it's worked in the other two. By faith, this light bulb doesn't burn out. This, this light bulb needs a source of power, right? So I turned it on. Obviously, I have a problem here. So let's just check to see if this light bulb is, is what? Plugged in. Now, this light bulb, that's a long, man, they gave me a long cord for this thing here. Wow. Look at the rest of the sermon, just trying to roll this thing up here. Ah, we get to the end. And guess what? It's what? It's not plugged in. So what am I going to do here? You going to help me? Can you do that? Plug that. Find the source there. Oh, no. Oh, come on. Let's give the light bulb a big hand. All right. It's plugged in. It found its source of power. Electricity. God's heart for you today is to be plugged in. Plugged in to him and plugged in to other believers. Connected to other believers. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about God's heart for you. You know, we've been talking for months and months and months. You've heard us say this so many times that God has a vision for every person on the planet. And it comes out of John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you what? 
More what? Jesus, I come to give you life and to give you a sad, mad, bad life. Is that what Jesus said? Oh, no way. No way. And so we believe that God has a vision for every person on the planet. And it goes something like this. And so I have you say this all the time. I am healthy, happy, holy, humble, faith-filled, fun-loving, born-again Christian. Now we know that we're not always those things, but that's God's vision. God has a vision for every person on the planet. And this vision is expressed and lived out in a local church by our mission, by the way that we live. Eleven years ago, God gave me a very clear mission statement for this church. And it goes something like this. Bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. Can you say that with me? Bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. By worshiping Jesus, say that with me, by worshiping Jesus with people from every nation, generation, and culture to connect in relationship together, to equip them to be devoted followers of Christ, and to be released in their ministry. I wrote, God gave me that really clear mission for this church. That's you. We're the church. The church is not a building. This church has been lots of things over the years. But what makes up City Church is the people that exist, that are here this morning, that attend this church, that are committed to God and committed to one another. That's what the church is. Now, there's a lot of people that come through and visit this church. As a matter of fact, last week I read some statistics to you that year to date, we've, the people that we've tracked that have actually filled out a blue card, we've had over 1,000 people attend, visit this church for the very first time. Can you give God a great big hand? Come on. And you can tell by the ministries that are taking place, God's doing incredible things, and the work of God is taking place here. But there's a problem. There's a problem. This message that Peter preached. This was actually the very first message that any Christian ever preached. You see, because before this time, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were, they were Jewish people. They were Jewish and they practiced the, the Judaism, the faith of Judaism. They, they weren't Christians yet. They hadn't been called Christians yet. They actually were good, God-fearing Jewish men. And Jesus, when he lived, said, listen, guys, something's going to happen in your life. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to raise from the dead on the third day. They didn't understand it. Then he said, but I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you that witness. I'm going to give you my spirit. He's going to be with you always to the very end. And he's going to give you power. You're going to be victorious. You're going to live an overcoming life. He laid the whole plan. They didn't understand it. But after he died, he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that he showed himself to him." And he's hanging out with them. He says, listen, guys, I want you to go to Jerusalem. The Feast of Pentecost is coming up. I want you to go. I want you to wait. And the Bible says that they went, and they, and they begin to pray. They went up into an upper room, and they begin to pray. They begin to call on God. They begin to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And you could read earlier in this chapter, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, there was great power. It was such incredible power that the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages, the languages of the tongues of unknown men and angels, and also the languages of the men that were there. And then they went out, and they started preaching. Well, the first guy to preach was Peter. The very first guy to preach 
was Peter. And he's got a message. He's got a message because he's identified a problem. Everyone said a problem. Now, there's lots of problems in this world. Lots of problems in life. But what I've discovered about problems, problems have the potential to move me backwards in my life, or problems have the potential to move me forward in my life. The light bulb wasn't invented because there was a what? What? There was a need, but it was a problem. People couldn't see, right? I mean, got real candles. You ever, you ever watch somebody really make a candle before? Like old-fashioned way where they do it with the, the big vat of fat, and they sit there and they turn that thing? I mean, they would spend literally days making candles. Days. I mean, days, because they'd make enough candles to last them for a month. I mean, and candles were like really, really a, a, a valuable commodity, and so there was a problem. They needed easier access to light. So some guy gets a, you know, God idea. It was a God idea, because in the beginning, the Bible says, God said, let there be, let there be light. So God idea in the beginning, God puts it in the heart of man, and they create light. So there's a problem. And look at how Peter says his problem in verse number 40. Peter says, and with many words he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Save yourself. One one translation says, save yourself from this perverted or wicked generation. Now, you know, sometimes we think like back in the good old days, it wasn't that bad. Let me tell you, people have always been bad. There's always been bad people. There's always been good people. There's always been that. In every culture and every generation. Jeremiah the prophet said this in Jeremiah 17. Now you can look it up for yourself. He said, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know? Without God, the heart of man is wicked. And you can open up the newspaper. You can turn on the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's bad stuff that happens. There's evil There's wickedness in our land. But because Peter encountered Christ, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He stands up and he preaches this message. And the first thing that he says, guys, change the way that you think. That's literally what the word repent means. Change the way that you think about God. That's what he says. Repent. Repent. Believe. Repent and believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is king. Believe that Jesus is God. Now, my wife and I, this last Sunday night, we get home. My wife does the laundry on Sunday night. And uh, so we sit around Sunday night, and she has two telephones. At 8 o'clock, everybody in the family knows what's happening. Mama's grabbing the remote control, and she's got two programs that she watches. She got, she got two TV preachers. She don't get enough on Sunday morning three times, so she got to go home and watch two more on Sunday. But she's got two TV, and they're both, both very famous. And one of them, one of them, his message goes something like this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You are good. You know what your problem is? You just need to think better about yourself. Just stop thinking so bad about yourself. I mean... You know, I know this week you didn't get a chance to play with the kids the way that you should have. But, you know, you put food on the table for them. You throw them a couple crumbs under the table. I mean, what more could they ask? You're not that bad. You just got to think better about yourself. I mean, by the end of that half an hour, I'm like, yeah, I feel good about myself. I mean, I'm feeling good. And, yeah, I'm believing in myself. And, and then we watch this other brother right after that. He gets up there, 
And he's got big church too, huge church he gets up there. And he's talking to the men in his church. And I'm with like 30 seconds into the message, he goes, you men are a bunch of baboons. He goes, you know, you got marriage problems, and 90% of the marriage problems in your life are because of you, you big bag baboons. I mean, and for 30 minutes, man, he smacked his guys upside the head and told them to ship up or ship out, straighten up, walk straight, fly right. I mean, he was just beating the thunder. I mean, I couldn't figure out if I was up or down by the time that hour was through. The reality today, you cannot think right about yourself until Jesus has changed your heart. There's a lot of good motivational speakers out there. There's a lot of people that can motivate people. There's famous people that have built their whole lives and built a whole industry around motivational speaking. And they never mention Jesus one time. They never talk about sin. They always talk about the thought and the mind. And there's a lot of truth. Change the way you think. Change your life. But I want you to know today, until you deal with the issue of sin in your life, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to be changed until you deal with the reality of who God is and your separation from him. And that comes by having faith in Jesus Christ. Peter says to him, repent, believe, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't leave them there. See, he doesn't leave them there to be good Baptists. He takes them all the way into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your, and for your children and for those who are a long way off. 2,000 years ago, Peter prophesied what would happen in your life, the potential that would happen for you, the possibility that would happen. There was a problem. There's a, been a problem in all of our lives, and that problem has been sin. Every person here is a sinner. Every person here has fallen short of the grace of God. Every person here is a dirty rascal. Every person here without the mercy. Some people are nicer dirty rascals than other people, but every person here needed a Savior. Every person here needs the blood of Jesus to wash away their sins and make them white as snow. Every person here needs the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundations of the world to be their redemption, to be their hope, and to pay the price, to pay the penalty for the rebellion to a holy God. You see, you can never get it right. You can never think right. You can never get the mind right and the heart right and the attitude right until you do this first thing. Change the way that you think about God. It's important. This is really, I was thinking about this. This is a huge, huge, huge deal. It was so huge to Peter. It was the biggest thing that he said. I mean, come on, guys. Change the way that you think. Repent. Be baptized and receive the gift of God's grace. Receive the Holy Spirit. See, every generation needs to get plugged into God. It wasn't just in Peter's day, because the day that we live in today needs to get plugged into God. We have one responsibility as a church. Our church, our call in this church is to make Jesus famous. That's why we're on this planet. We have one, we're not here to make a denomination famous. We're not here to make a pastor famous. We're not here to do anything. We're here to make one person famous in this city, and his name is Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. You see, Today, today the purpose, the purpose of this life of being plugged into God, really, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When we finish this series, Plugged In, in about four weeks, we're going to start a series on Jesus. Jesus is. We're just going to talk about Jesus for weeks. We're going to talk about who Jesus is and the life he lived. But the disciples, they knew it was all about Jesus. 
They made it all about Jesus. The Bible says in verse number 42, read this for yourself if you have your Bibles. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach? That's a good question, isn't it? You ever read your Bible and actually ask yourself a question like, what does that mean? Has anybody ever done that beside me? Every once in a while, I'll get an email from somebody. Hey, pastor, I read this passage, and what does that mean? And I'll say, I don't know. Ask Miss Christina. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, if you're not asking some questions, that means you're not reading your Bible. Because I've been reading my Bible now for 20-some years, and i got a lot more questions. And the longer that I read my Bible, there's more questions that i got, because I don't have it all figured out. And so, the Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Remember these apostles. I know you think these guys, because you grew up in Sunday, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know, they were like old guys with big beards and gray hair and all that. Nah, 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 nah. We're talking young guys. We're talking like 21-year-old, 24-year-old, 21, 2018, 19, 25, maybe. And we're talking young men who are sent by Christ to make his name famous in the world. Amazing. And they had something to say. They had something to say. They devoted themselves. You know, the, the whole concept of devotion is a, com, is a complete, resolute commitment. It's completely committed, completely devoted to the apostles' teaching. What do they teach about? Well, I, I, hear, I want you to hear the words of one of his disciples. Want you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. I want you to hear the word of one of Jesus' closest friends. One of Jesus' closest friends was named John. Jesus had three, I mean, he had the 12, but there were three guys that seemed to be like, you know, his closest friends. And just the Bible, the Bible teaches that. And their names were Peter, James, and, okay, you guys are smart. Good class. John. John's getting to the end of his life, and he writes this letter to this church. He writes this letter, and he says, listen, the one who existed from the beginning is the one we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. Now, he's talking about Jesus after his death and at his resurrection. And he says, he is Jesus Christ, the word of life. This one who is life from God was shown to us, and we've seen him. And now we testify and announce to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was shown to us. It, we are telling you, about what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. Listen, it was all about Jesus. It was all about telling people about Jesus so that people not only could have fellowship with God, but they could have fellowship with them, with other believers. Fellowship with God. My my wife has a a, a saying. She says, there's no happy hermits in Christianity. You know, it's just a complete misnomer to think that you can really be a devoted Christ follower and make the television set in the Sunday morning or the Sunday night or some night of the week, that, not like your weekly church service. No way. That's goofy. Everyone say goofy. That's silly. And then this doesn't happen. Listen, so that you can have fellowship, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write these things so that our joy... Everyone say, our joy. See, it makes us happy when people are connecting not only with God, which they're doing here, but when they start to connect with other people. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us as a church. He's speaking to us in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, with the adults, the 
desire for God to be worshipers of Him, but also be connected in fellowship with other believers. See, if we're going to lead people into this powerful vision of the abundant life, we've got to talk to them about Jesus. And what were some of the things they talked about Jesus? Well, the first, first thing they talked about Jesus is that Jesus was the only way to God. A relationship with Jesus is the only way to the Father. And our tolerant culture and society and world where every way and pathway is okay, it wasn't that way with the disciples. They were really clear about who God was. His name was Jesus. And they talked about his virgin birth. And they talked about his sinless life. He never sinned. Although he was God and he was fully God, he also became fully man. He was the God man. He came as a human on this planet. Paul the Apostle says that he literally set aside. He set aside his deity for just a brief moment in time so that he could walk and live this life like you and I. And he, lived, he walked this life like you and I, and he, the Bible says that he never sinned. He never sinned. That's why he could become the, the pure, perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They talked about his sinless life. They talked about his, him being a servant and giving his life for all mankind and laying his life down and going to the cross. They, but you know what they really talked about? They talked about the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus that they had seen who had rose from the dead after the third day. What they really talked about was the power of change and transformation that came through believing in that risen Jesus. You see, I want you to know that in this city, there are people all over this community who have thoughts about God and pathways that think they can get to God. But I want you to know today, we as a church, as the people of God, have a message of hope for this generation that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and he's come to change your life and set you free from your sins, from your addiction, from your brokenness. He's come to heal you of your past. He's come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly because he's a good God, and a good God that is good all the time has a plan and a purpose. And as the disciples begin to walk this life out, as they begin to say, Jesus is our king and Jesus is our God, some really incredible things happen. Really incredible things happen. Really, things that were unusual. You can read the end of this, this little context of this story, but all of a sudden, miracles started taking place. People started getting healed. All of a sudden, people that had addictions for years and years and years, people who had problems with, with sexual addictions, people who had alcohol addictions, people who had marriage problems, people who had all kinds of stuff started getting saved. They started getting change. People who had physical problems in their body started getting healed. There were miracles. There were miracles. But I want you to see, look, you've got to read this with me here. Verses 42 through 46. You've got to see the whole context of how this happened. And they begin to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. See, so there were things that they did. There were signs of life. There were signs of life. There was a process was a process. They begin to fellowship and break bread, have meals together, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. And selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They had the word fellowship is an interesting word. The, the context, understanding is the word connect. Everyone say connect. The word fellowship literally means to connect. It also means commune. Everyone say commune. 
every once a month in all three services. The last Sunday of the month, we take communion together, what we call communion today. And I've even heard guys teach this before. They say, you know, you can have communion at home with this, you and God. And, you know, I'm not here to shoot down their concept of communion, but communion in the Bible never happened that way. Communion was never just, just a personal thing between you and God. Never was that way. The word fellowship is koineus in the Greek, and it literally means communion with one another. Fellowship. It was always that way. They ate a meal. They broke bread. They worshiped. They prayed. They prayed. There were things, that, spiritual things that happened in their life. It wasn't because someone was making them do it, but it was out of this deep, deep sense of devotion, relationship with God. And that's the life of this local church. That's the life. That's what's going to make the name of Jesus famous in this city. As people who are fully devoted, committed, saying, God, we're going to worship you. We're going to gather together on Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate your goodness. God, we're going to join together other Christians, and we're going to pray. And God, we're, we're here for your purpose for our life, for your mission. So they went from temple courts to house to house. They went to the temple. There were times they gathered together, and they worshiped. You know, they worshiped, they were Jewish men, so they worshiped on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, they worshiped. They went to the synagogue. They were in Jerusalem, they went to the temple. And then they went and met in their homes. And they began to talk about Jesus. There's something awesome that happens when you have a meal with another believer and just talk about Jesus. Just enjoy life together. Live life together. Living life together. Doing life together. Living the abundant life. There's a group of guys in our church. We go play golf every other week on Monday night. And we have a blast. We have a great time. We're loving Jesus on the golf course. And most everybody keeps a pretty good attitude. But, you know, because golf can be a challenging game, at least for a guy like me. You can do all kinds of things. Gather together with other believers and talk about Jesus. Last week in Pastor Glenn's group, there was a guy who said he was a cynical Christian. That's what he called himself. And I said, well, it's okay to be cynical. Just don't be so cynical that you don't end up in heaven. You know, don't be so cynical you take yourself right to hell. Be careful. Be careful with your attitudes, the way you judge other people. It was amazing. We're out there, and we invite another guy to join in our group. The content, you become salt and light. And you begin to have a relationship. Last Saturday after prayer, there was a couple families. We went out to eat down at Sonny's, and and Sundays doesn't have these great big long tables, you know, at least the one down here. You got to kind of, they had to sit back to back. You're like, try to have a fellowship meal with someone back to back. So I'm sitting there like this, and I'm like, Linda and Bill are over here, and Dennis and Janet are over here, and Randy and, and uh, Daniel are over there, and who else? Is somebody else with us? Oh, our family and Ethan. And like, I'm trying to, like, I'm craning my neck, trying to have communion with them. But we still had a great time. Something powerful about eating a meal. Our guys out here, we played cornhole, shot basketball, threw some football. And uh, my, Ben and Hamby and I were the cornhole uh, champions of City Church. And we're taking all the takers on next time. But we had a great time. And we had great big burgers. We fellowshiped together. And then we came in here and we worshiped God. We worshiped God. And then we heard a message about don't make any deals. No deals. No deals with the devil. We were challenged. And the men, the altars were full of men just calling out to God, not making any deals with the devil. It was an awesome, awesome time. And what begins to happen, what begins to happen 
is exactly what happens in the Bible. In verse number 43, listen, it says, And everyone was filled with awe. Everyone say awe. Awe. When the church of Jesus Christ becomes alive, and this church is alive, there are so many miracles. There are so many people's lives being changed. When I looked in here on Wednesday night, I was like, oh, Lord, miracles. The miracles have changed life. This isn't a youth group. This is, this is a movement that's hungry and passionate for God. These are people that want God with all their heart, with all their soul. And it's changing the landscape of this church. It's changing the way that we think, the way that we live, what's happening, the connection that's taking place. People that are being saved, families that are coming into the kingdom of God. We have to have three services on Sunday morning, two services on Wednesday night, celebrate recovery, prayer meetings, and people meeting in homes. We had Dave Jordan talk about his conditions, diagnosed with stage four cancer. He meets with a group of men once a month called the Band of Brothers. And when he found out, they sent him down to the hospital to do surgery. The Friday night that his Band of Brothers was supposed to meet, they took the whole group and they went down to his room. Isn't that right, Dave? And they began to sing, they began to pray, have fellowship right there. And I'm sure they made all the nerve, nurses nervous down there at that Seminole Hospital. But so that's what believers do. See, and if you're not connected, see, Dave's connected with a group of brothers. He's got two, three friends. He's got two or three, more than two or three. There's 10, 12 guys in that group, but they care about him. So he, in his time of need, yeah, did I go down and pray? Yeah, but you know what? What really meant something to him, what really meant something to Dave Jordan was that his band of brothers were there by his side. You know, on Friday night, I challenged the man. I said, you got to find in your lifetime, you can find three friends. If you can find three really good friends who have your back, You've accomplished your mission as far as building relationships with other men because most guys never, most guys are hermits. Most, most guys don't feel like they, you know, they're self-sufficient. They don't need anybody. And the fact is, it's why life doesn't work well for most men. It's why they got marriage problems, why they get money problems. They, they don't really have anybody that they're allowed to speak into their life. I want to challenge you. Women tend to do a little better at it, but even women, sometimes we're so busy. Maybe you're just new to the faith. And I'm challenging you in this room. Not just one, because you get one perspective and, you know, there's something about three, Ecclesiastes says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. You need to have three buddies. Man, woman, every person, you got three friends who got your back. You can pick up the phone in your time of need. This church right now, this church right now is here, still in existence because of my friends. Men that I call up in my time of need. Really struggling. My wife's got cancer. I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting, going back home. Don't feel like it's too hard, God. I mean, it's too hard. Get on the phone with my best friend. You got to pray for me. Gets Laura on the other end of the phone and starts praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, really starts praying. And I don't mean a little dab and do your prayer. You got to have at least one friend that can really pray, okay? And if you don't know how to pray, just come and hang out with us on Saturday night. We'll show you how to pray. I mean, this, you know, and I know there's different kinds of prayer, but guys, when you read the Bible, these guys were passionate. The reason that there was awe among the people is because they were worshiping God. 
It wasn't holy huddle prayers. It was prayers that impacted a generation. It was prayers calling out to God for souls. You see, there's a problem in our generation, and people are lost, and they're separated from God, and they need a Savior. They need someone who will stand and pray, and full of the joy of God, and the love of God, begin to share Jesus in their generation. And that's what God's called us to, called this church to. Oh, God. I challenge you three things in your life right now. Make celebration. Make worship of God your number one priority. Everyone say, I'm going to be a worshiper of God. Everyone say, I'm going to be a worshiper of God. Some of you don't know how to worship yet. It's not complicated. I remember the very first time I went to a worship a church, because the church that I grew up in, you know, we had him sing out of the hymn book, and that was good. And, but I had never been in a worship service before. And I remember the first time I went into a service where people were just worshiping God with all their heart. Like, I couldn't. I had to sit down. You know, and we take it for granted. I told Tom, I said, you know, 20 years later, people worship the way we worship now, and everybody takes it, and everybody's trying to do, you know. But you know what I want? More than a style, I want a church full of people that worship God from their heart. When you come in here Sunday morning, you ain't dragging your lazy hotel in here because you stayed up all night, Saturday night, watching movies and trying to figure out if God still loves you or not because you watched something you should have watched, and, you know, you weren't, uh, you know, and I don't really want to go to church. No, man. When a church gets ignited and is passionate for Jesus, and they want to make Jesus famous in their city, when you come in and worship, worship Jesus. First thing, first thing I'm believing for city church. First thing I'm challenging us to is to be a church of worshipers. Second thing I'm challenging every person here is to get connected with another group of believers. Get connected. Find a group. We have small groups and all kinds of ways you can get connected, places to serve. And do the Connect Four. Guys, it's so vital. It's so important. And finally, you got to bring someone else along. You got to bring someone else along. This ain't just about you. Say, this isn't about me. Come on, this isn't about me. Come on, say, this is not about me. This is all about King Jesus. This is all about King Jesus in this city. And the Bible says that first day, 3,000, 3,000, explosive supernatural growth. You know, Kip and I were talking the other night with the guys in our church, with my advisors. And I said, you know, it's funny how most success happens in a lot of people work and work and work and work and work and work. And it doesn't seem like much has happened. And then all of a sudden, things open up for them. Work and work and work and boom. And then I said, boy, they were an overnight success. <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. I mean, there, there are so few instantaneous successes in life. Most of those are like mushrooms that blow up today and they're gone tomorrow. And lasting, fruitful success comes from a life of devotion to Christ. City Church committed. We live for this reason. We exist for this purpose. To bring God's love to the city. By worshiping Jesus with people from every nation, generation, and culture. To make His name famous in our city. Thanks for listening to this message, Plugged In, with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.